Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, why you believe it, or uh, where you're going in this journey of faith. Uh, What's important is, while we live on that frontier, to know that there are others out there with us, most importantly, that it's okay. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. And today we're going to finish our conversation around death and death theology. Uh, It was a story that I shared a few weeks ago. And uh, as we shared that, as I shared that story, it started to create some thoughts around theology in general and how we talk about death in the church and um, how we understand the Bible talking about death. And so Ryan and I wanted to explore this because we have two different angles to this. I am a pastor, of course, and I do funerals. In fact, I'm doing one here in just a couple of days. And uh, I have my experience of death anxiety as well. And then Ryan has experience too. Yeah. So I work in hospice as a chaplain. So Um, I mean, every person I deal with is dealing with death in some way or another. I don't, these days it's changed a little bit because of how COVID has impacted uh, uh, all of that kind of work, but still pretty much everyone I deal with is dealing with these kinds of questions we're going to talk about today. Yeah, we very much live with death as a reality for our jobs, Ryan more so than me, but still being a pastor, that's one of the things that remains within the sphere of the church is death and especially of Christian members. With death, people who even who want nothing to do with the church and are not religious will often find comfort from somebody from the church when death is involved. Like it just, it's something that changes everything for pretty much most people. Yeah. It's kind of interesting the way that happens. Mm -hmm. People who I get this call every once in a while, people who have never really been to the church that I lead, but they were baptized there or something like that. And they've been lifelong in the city, uh, you know, city resident. And I'll get a call and say, so-and-so is a member of your church and uh, they'd like you, their family would like you to do their funeral. (laughs) They're a member of what now? (laughs) (laughs) Like I've never heard of that person or that family. What do you mean? Um, but that's just our culture. That's where we are. People mm-hmm. like pastors doing that kind of stuff. And having a, a tether to a congregation is good, too. But we're, we're going to talk about uh, what we've seen in the way that people talk about death. But specifically, uh, my hope is to you know explore what, what death really means for us and how we do that. And We're going to start by me just kind of reflecting a little bit on the story that I shared last time. Uh, As I said, it was the first time I've ever shared that story. Uh, And I kind of chuckle because it was the first time I actually missed a major event in the the story of my death anxiety. It's actually the moment that made death a reality for me, I think. Um, And it was the death of my grandmother. Uh, My grandmother passed away. Um, right around the birth of my second child, she wasn't able to see her uh, welcomed into the world. Um, but she was the first person to know my second daughter's name. We told her as she was dying because she really wanted to know. And so we shared that with her. Um, 
my grandmother was somebody that we always looked forward to going to see. Um, she lived in Southern California when we were living in the central area. Um, she always took us to, I mean, she was like a grandmother. Mm-hmm. I don't really need to say very much. She the treated best kind us, of grandma, yeah. Yeah, the best kind. And uh, she and one of my aunts, who also has passed away, uh, the only people in my family so far, um, and they both took us to Disney quite a bit. She, uh, both of them. Oh, so it's her fault, huh? Yeah. Ryan knows that about me more than anybody else, (laughs) except for my wife and my family. But uh, I will talk about Disney all the time, and we go there quite a bit. It's a love of mine that my grandma really gave me, uh, along with my aunt. And when she died, it was kind of like, really the feeling I have, I don't know what movie it's from, but there's a movie where somebody breaks through a mirror. um, And this is like this image of how I saw the world is shattered and the real world comes towards me. Hmm. It kind of broke that image of the world that I had. Um, And there's a lot there, of course, but uh, it was, she was really important to me and her death was really felt and I think it was felt within our family too. The more that I talked to my brothers and others in our family, um, she meant a lot to to all of us, and uh, it really did set me on a trajectory of dealing with this death anxiety. And <laughs> unfortunately, because you're dealing with it, you know, it comes to the fore a little bit more than it's one of those fortunate yet also unfortunate things. Yeah. And dealing with it, I mean, not her death. Exactly. Yeah. And as I was dealing with that and still am because I still miss her and uh, so forth. But, uh, you know, I have more of those episodes. And that's what I shared last time were some of those panic episodes and those moments in the reflection that that um, was a result of my grandmother passing. Um. So I I thought about that, of course, but I also thought about generally the story that I told. And I thought um, what was nice about it was uh, it it felt kind of banal, um, felt kind of ordinary to share the story, kind of relaxing and calming, if you will. It's, It's like. Maybe I had some fear pent up beforehand that it would be this horrible thing that I would share and, mm-hmm. um, you know, not to any life changing amount, but at least the experience afterwards has been, yeah, that banality of, oh, okay. So now that story's out there and I've told it once and, uh, I could probably tell it a few more times and get better at discovering what that really means for me in my personal story. Did, um, did it feel anything else? Was that just pretty much the overriding feeling after telling it or was it anything else emotion wise too? Or Yeah, I think like the emotion connected to that is kind of like after you take a deep breath and you kind of exhale that Mm -hmm. feeling. Um, Yeah. So it's kind of a pleasant feeling, but it's also that banal pleasant. It's like, oh, okay, 
feels really good to do that yet in the next moment it's like oh okay here comes another breath you know <laughs> right but it also sounds like correct me if i'm wrong it also sounds like it helped normalize it a bit for you in the sense of like maybe a better way to put it actually is um the way you were able to tell the story and how you felt after it kind of reflects how much of a different place you're in now than when those things were happening oh definitely um the ability to give details to some of that stuff to just rest in the sadness at certain points um you know all that stuff i wouldn't have been able to do even when i shared it you know one of the stories was i shared it with the congregation it was more just sharing the reality that i had death anxiety it wasn't hugely specific things like you know talking about all the details of being in that person's house where her father was dying or mm -hmm. that kind of stuff it was more like well i went to see somebody and it was really sad and made me afraid afterwards right um so being able to do that certainly uh, contributed to what you said and it also as as i've been reflecting i started thinking about more closely you know as a theologian if you will a pastor i'm thinking theology all the time but it had me focus even more on what i was taught about death growing up and i'm curious as I've had my own thoughts. Ryan, what were you taught growing up? What what did death mean? Or maybe it wasn't even that deep. Maybe it was just death was a thing. Now that I think about it, I think I had some interesting mixed messages about death. So on the one hand, um, I was taught that death is the enemy, right? Jesus conquered death when he rose from the dead. That one of the main thing, one of the main things about the resurrection is that it means we can be resurrected and death no longer um, has power, that kind of idea. Mm -hmm. And yet I also remember, like it, I remember being at a few funerals when I was a kid. I think one of them was because I I think they I was too young to stay home by myself and they couldn't get anybody to watch me or something. Yeah. And you know, that happens once in a while when you when your dad's a pastor. Um, and I remember somebody saying, I think it was my dad saying, um, you know, like telling me I didn't need to be afraid of anything and that, uh, you know, the body was just I think he said just a shell now, mm. you know, but the, the, the main thing I took away from it, thinking back on it is, well, I don't need to be upset about this one. I didn't know the person, but I just mean like death or the, the person's body in general, it didn't really bother me because I think I, so maybe actually, maybe it does fit because I heard the message of, um, you know, death is the enemy that Jesus has conquered. And then I think when somebody dies, the idea was, well, now they're in heaven. So they, um, like, yeah, they died, but death has, like, they beat death too kind of thing, or Jesus beat it for them, or however you want to phrase that. Like, it was this mixed, yeah, I don't, I'm even having trouble kind of laying it out, because I remember, as I reflect on it, it seems like I got different messages. Hmm. So you got that one from your dad about it being okay, and nothing to be afraid of, and mm -hmm. you kind of resonate with that. What What's the conflicting message then? Well, I wondered, I feel like that was kind of a conflicting message with this is 
almost like not a big deal, right? This is just what happens and it's okay with this idea that death is this titanic enemy that is needs to be conquered or has been conquered or like they just kind of seem opposite ends. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So you've got two pieces. One, death is an enemy. It's a big deal. And I mean, Jesus, for goodness sake, had to die to defeat death. Right. And yet, at a funeral home in <laughs> however in old I was, yeah. yeah, you're told not to worry about it, not to be too afraid of it. And I'm sure it's because of Jesus somewhere in the mix of that. Yeah. Now, I mean, to be fair, that may not have been, maybe I was upset and that's what he told me. So I wasn't, although I don't think so. I, you know, I don't think so. But that, I'm just saying that may not have been a well-reasoned theological statement that he thought about ahead of time, you know, because yeah, I right. might have just had, who knows. But yeah, it, it was kind of that way. And, you know, I think the other thing was when we talked about it, it was almost... If I heard if I heard it talked about in church, I think it was almost always talked about with some kind of Bible verse or Bible verses in the proof text fashion, right? Like, uh, you know, the wages of sin is death or death, where is thy sting? You know, the, those kinds of things. Um, there's a lot of uh, snippets or maybe even longer passages you can take out of the New Testament about it that would almost always come up probably sometimes as a way to not be afraid, right? Because death's been beaten already or, or whatever. But I almost, and maybe it was just a, maybe it was also just a way to um, deal with the uh, undealability, that's not a word, of death, right? Like maybe it was just a way that gave some security in the fact that even with all of that, we're all still kind of scared of it, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, but it sounds like maybe it wasn't, at least it, that's what it sounds like. It wasn't handled very intentionally to hold that tension that maybe there was a tension there. At least that's what I'm putting into your, your uh, experience that there's a tension between the terrible reality of death and the promise given to us in Jesus. Um, right. Hmm. But maybe it was kind of haphazard. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think probably the one that got the most weight was in terms of like how often it was said was probably the death has been conquered thing or even, um, you know, they've gone to their reward kind of idea. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, which one sticks with me more clearly? Well, I still remember him saying that at that funeral and I was probably eight or whatever I was, Yeah. yeah. you know, so I, I don't know, like, I think in terms of volume or amount of times it was probably mostly the the victorious thing but uh, it wasn't the only message yeah huh hmm. so what about what about for you i mean i imagine you folks talked about death a lot <laughs> at least one person's <laughs> uh yeah we talked about so i think that's actually a crystal clear way to say it like we didn't talk about death except for the death of jesus christ it's as simple as that i i don't my story was one of course that we shared last time that we didn't talk about death when it came to personal stuff that's not something we talked about but we were very comfortable talking about how jesus died for our sins mm -hmm. um so much so that it became this weird like meaningless phrase uh can i say it like that at least in terms of death 
it was full of meaning when it came to justification and all that that we've talked about. <laughs> Naturally, <here>. yeah. <laughs> but in terms of Jesus actually dying, it was kind of void of its meaning. I, I think the only time we had meaning would be on Good Friday, meaning to the reality of his death. Um, because we actually liturgically do a really good job, I would say, as Lutherans, on Good Friday of capturing the despair of death hmm. um, and the death of Jesus on the cross. Now, sometimes that can be really turned into, you know, how how shitty we are as human beings to put Jesus on the cross. Right. Um, that's always part well, of the problem. that prop- fits in with the law part of the service, yeah. right? Yeah. But... At the same time, there is a really good ritualization of Jesus dying. And I think that's the only time. So once a year, it it basically is what we talked about when it came to real death, aside from a random thing here and there that maybe came up, you know? So other than that, was it, did it get kind of rote? Is that the right word? Maybe? Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Wrote. Very wrote. Um, I mean, Jesus died for my sins or for your sins as a pastor just comes off the tongue very easily. Right. right. Jesus died. Jesus died. Jesus died. I mean, you know, I I am not surprised. And everybody has something like that. It may not be Jesus's death in that way. But I just mean those things do get wrote after a while. And they, I think, sometimes do kind of lose their power i don't know they just yeah, they lose something definitely lose something yeah yeah and so you know i i can identify that tension that you're saying between jesus dying uh, see i did it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the um tension between jesus uh defeating sin and yet we need not fear anymore i can see that distinction or that tension Yet it really wasn't talked about in my tradition, at least the way that I've experienced it. It's really just been about Jesus dying for my sins. And whenever death would come up as a conversation piece outside of, you know, interpersonal stuff that I had with people, it was always, well, the death you really need to pay attention to is Jesus. So that way you don't need to fear the death that is coming to you. So we kind of had that a little bit, but not honestly, not a whole lot. Uh, I mean, my story was pretty clear. We just did not talk about death really at all. It was the pastor's job to deal with death. Well, I mean, you talked about death all the damn time, but you also didn't talk about death at all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a weird irony of it yeah. all. It's like We're going to talk about death of a human being, but we're not going to ever talk about your death or, yeah. And you also doesn't sound like you had the uh, triumphalism piece that, was a big part of mine, perhaps. And maybe we've talked about that in a previous podcast about the Christus Victor stuff. But I always found that interesting when I was at the seminary with you all. And uh, we talk about, I was like, death, 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 Jesus is death, death, death. And I said one time, I was like, well, yes. What about the resurrection? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Um, And it was kind of, nobody said this, but the impression I left with was kind of like, well, that's Easter. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's Easter, the Easter for Easter. When Lutherans say that, they mean the Easter season. So, you know, those five Sundays or four mm-hmm. Sundays of Easter. Um, many Lutherans to just kind of 
piggyback off of that love lent which is like the weirdest thing of to course say. they do i mean that is so in character <laughs> <laughs> and i'm i'm working you know so i'm a deconstructor of course uh in the colloquial way of saying it also the philosophical but uh so I, we just don't do lent generally um and when I, the question comes up of why aren't we doing Lent, I, I help them reflect on that differently. Um, also, like nobody's maybe, stopping you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we try to, and I'll reclaim it here soon, but we needed a breath away okay. from Lent because we just get into these route channels of what it means to do Lent and we don't think about it. Um, because it's such our favorite season and so on and so forth. Anyway, um, yes, we talked about death a lot um, and not so much the resurrection, which we've talked about in the past. And when we talk about death, the re- weird irony is we didn't really talk it with depth, B- D-E-P-T-H. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it with any depth outside of the theological connections that were being made in sermons and so on and so forth. Well, and it's interesting, though, because I'm just thinking, I think this connects, is that in both cases, other than the story I had with my dad, the theological piece overall that we experienced in church, it seems like they are kind of doing the same thing from different ways, though, in the sense that they're both a way to kind of, I don't know know if we want to say deny death, but they are a way to make, uh, to kind of make it go away, right? Either we don't need to worry about it because Jesus died, great, or, well, yeah, but you're going to go to heaven or whatever it is. Like, it it almost seems like in both cases, it was a way for us not to deal with it because we're still actually very scared of it and we can't, or we don't want to, or taboo, or, you know, maybe some mix of all of those things. Yeah, I think so. It sounds, I, I can't tell you that I know very many Christians that, can talk about death well. Hmm. Um, so I think the the experience around death is probably pretty universal in terms of how you talk about it here in America. But of course, as we're discovering in this podcast, how it specifically we deal with that is different depending on our context or right. not deal with it, but hear it mm-hmm. is different based off of our context. So I, th- I like that. I think that's that's really astute to say that um, we're all trying to run away from death. And I guess maybe what has happened to my story is that death didn't let me run away. Mm-hmm. That could be what was going on. Well, and yeah, you were kind of, I don't know if forced is the right word, maybe, but you were forced to, really take hold of it and apprehend it and deal with it in a way that most people don't do. I mean, it probably won't shock you to hear (laughs) that a lot of what I do with people is um, working on being able to accept this death of their loved one or whoever it is. Sometimes it's also with the person themselves, but I think it's almost anecdotally, I haven't compiled data, (laughs) but it feels like more often the person themselves are not having as hard of of a time with dying as their families are or their friends or whoever it is. Um, That's not true in every situation, of course. I've had people who are afraid and that kind of thing. But 
it seems like more common is that the person who's dying is overall doing okay except that they're worried about their families like that kind of stuff yeah um and i'm not saying like you know there are questions of regrets and all that kind of stuff too but just thinking back on my last few years doing this is it seems like the people who aren't dying are having the hardest time with death hmm. again not in every case but no yeah but it makes me wonder like why 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 do you think that is yeah and I've never actually thought about that until just now. So, you know, just because we're kind of reflecting on things. I wonder if it's partly because the person who is dying is forced now. I mean, there are people who deny it till the end, right? But the person who is dying is forced to deal with death in a way that the rest of us aren't, right? I mean, they're on all kinds of medications or um, they, you know, they may be confused and know they're confused or what they can tell that they're worried about their family not. Uh, having enough to provide or whatever it is, but the person who's dying, I mean, it's hard to ignore that reality, at least somewhere deep inside them, if not overtly. I mean, if you've got cancer all over your body, that's going to make you deal with it in a way that someone who doesn't, doesn't have yeah. to, you know, yeah. or whatever it is. So I think it might just be partly because yeah, I mean, it's just, it is a reality for them in a way that it is not for you and me, right? Like, so I'm 34 and I won't lie, during COVID, I worried about dying a few times, even though I never got it. <laughs> but yeah. um, generally speaking, I don't worry about dying much. I mean, you know, outside of bad days or something. Yeah. But, you know, people people on hospice, well, they have to, they have to deal with it, I think. Hmm. Seems like there's a lesson there. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering about that. I think there might be of, I don't know what it is, but I think there might be one. Hmm. Yeah, something to think about as we move forward. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, anecdotally, I would say the same thing. I think there's been two people that I've met that as they were dying, they were really panicking and struggling with it. Mm-hmm. But generally, it is the family that's more, much more concerned, and which worried. is not like a criticism of the no. family. I, I mean, it makes sense, right? They're going to miss the person, and they're the things they are worried about are not going to be worries in some amount of time, right? Right. Um, yeah. 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 So I've I've noticed that too, anecdotally, as as I help people and. But pastors get to have that, uh, well, even when chaplains do, they get to have that like closing moment where we really do get to help to usher people into the mm -hmm. next phase of their life uh, without this person and, you know, do so with the promise of Jesus and what that means as well. Um, yeah. It's kind of nice. So one thing I'm wondering about as we talk about that is, you know, what do we make of the fact that intellectually it seems like as christians we should have a much easier time of dealing with death than people who aren't i'm not saying that's true but i'm just saying like it seems like theologically we should be okay right what well, we shouldn't be afraid of death we shouldn't um have all these worries that we have yet universally we do <laughs> so i just i wonder uh what is i mean like what, what do we what do we do with that like yeah 
I don't know that it needs to be fixed exactly, but it does seem like it seems like for Christians at least, death should not be the way that it is in terms of how it's viewed, not talked about, taboo, etc. A companion question along with that is why are Christians so unprepared and unwilling to talk about death? Uh, I think part of it might be somewhat simplistic, but probably true in that there is something kind of evolutionarily programmed and inside all of us, like as human beings, we want to live, right? Any, almost any living creature, if not all living creatures or things try to continue living, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. Even to the point of plants growing towards the sun, maybe, I don't know if that counts, but um so, I mean, I think part of it might just be is that we have an instinctual, uh, innate fear of death um, just as being a human being. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's the background. Whether you believe in evolution or not, we should be able to deal with that kind of fear better than when we, like, in very far in the past, right? Or, like, what I'm trying to say is, we've kind of progressed a lot since the primate days or however you want to think of that. Does that make sense? Like we have more intellectual, spiritual, social tools to deal with that kind of thing that people didn't used to have. I think that's true. I think that's right. Um, and I don't want to discount that drive that's in all people um, to survive, to yeah. move forward. Uh, we like living. Uh, <laughs> It's simple as that. And, you know, I think theologically we could tie that to, well, we have a God of life. Right. Our God is a God that creates. He's not a God that destroys. He's right. a God that wanted to bring existence into a, <laughs> to make it an actual thing. You know, he, he's outside of existence, if you will, but he's like, let's create the earth and create people because I want to be with people and I want to, yeah, see yeah. life happen. Yeah. So I think that's a piece of it. But I also wonder, like, how can we see what is it about Christians that makes that fear result in the unwillingness to talk? Yeah, because there's got to be more to it than just the innate fear of death, right? That's not enough of an explanation on its own. Right. So I think one of the ways we could probably at least start exploring it is, well, maybe we could take it from the other side of things like, Okay, so the reason why we're struggling with this is because we have like little guardrails up. Mm -hmm. And one of the guardrails is the survivability. Well, sometimes large guardrails, but yes. Yeah. What else makes us uncomfortable talking about death, do you think? I wonder I wonder if part of it is that none of us actually believe the theology that we say we do all the way, right? Um this is just occurring to me now is maybe we're afraid of death because maybe for some people it's not, but I think for most, isn't there always that little bit or a lot of bit of doubt in there, you know, coming up to, if, if, if you die, you believe you're going to heaven, but maybe some people believe that 100%, but I imagine with most people, they have to have, a. there's gotta be at least a little bit of, well, I hope so. Right. Yeah. Huh. That makes me think like, I love that because I see that all the time and maybe it speaks more into our relationship with faith than our relationship with God. Like our relationship with faith is one where we can't 
ask those hard questions because a lot of us believe that we can talk ourselves out of faith with God. Or when we try to ask those questions, we're told not to by all yeah. people in our lives. Right. Many of them other Christians. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that's a huge piece of it. Like, okay, so I'm feeling afraid. I don't see that being mimicked in the church or in other people. Um, so maybe it's my problem. Or oh, there's like a social uh, uh, in-network pressure kind of idea of to not show how you're feeling, you mean? And I think it flows from the theology where, you know, you're not supposed to, that that huge word, supposed to. Well, I mean, or, remember how people would tell you, well, this is what the Bible says. You don't need to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a big piece. And, and I would put that with theology of what what the relationship with people's faith is, because um, if I'm not supposed to be afraid of death, then, you know, you can go the dysfunction route, but you can also go the route of, which I did, you can go the route of, um, well, then what I have to do in response is just have more faith or I just have to believe, even if it doesn't look like I, I can believe this anymore. Um, or that I'm having a hard time believing it right now in this moment. And I think that's really important because, uh, you know, this conversation around death is much wider than just death when it comes to that aspect of it, of how we deal with things in faith. Um, and so you've got stuff that we rail against here. You've got the individualism, you've got the me and, and God and the Bible in my closet, just making sure I've got all that taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm supposed to be somebody who's not afraid of death. So I better not be afraid of death or. Well, and I, yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. And I guess I, I think another big piece is whether we like to admit it or not. I mean, the cultural attitudes towards death were saturated in that too. Um, I know uh, I would hear the kind of things that would make you think, oh, well, no, we, we know, you know, the theology stuff, so we don't have to be afraid or all this kind of stuff. And yet I think like it or not, we still have all of that societal pressure about not talking about it or being afraid of it or not dealing with it or, or whatever it is too. Yeah. And we, we have ways of living within society that, reestablishes or or affirms that approach so you know we put people in hospitals that that are sick and dying or mm-hmm. we put them in old folks homes or retirement villages or whatever nice thing you want to say that doesn't make it sound like a death colony or whatever right. and some of them are nice but in the end everyone who goes there unless they have to go to a hospital to die that's generally that's what happens right yeah um yeah I don't it's 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 interesting too because there are cultures in the world where death is not viewed this way, right? There are theological systems that uh like I know I know not very much about it, but the very small tiny amount I've read about Buddhism and probably Hinduism too because there's some similarities I think in how the the view of, you know, reincarnation and all that works. Death isn't so much a uh isn't so much of a bad thing because it you know you're going through that cosmic cycle and hopefully you're advancing along it you know yeah so anyway so it's just saying it's that part of it is not inherent to all humans but it does seem to be um inherent to western humans 
definitely. Okay, so we kind of looked at certain aspects of what, why, why do Christians not talk about death? Mm-hmm. I think the elephant in the room is that our scripture has a familiarity with death and really talks about it as part of life in many ways. And really, I think part of the reason that we believe what we believe is so that we can hold on to Christ through death to the other side. Yeah. Uh, so what the hell? Why, why don't we... Why don't we cling to that? Why don't we do that? Uh, why don't we live in death scripturally, if you will? Yeah, but I think so. But I think that's hard because you know those things that I was taught about the triumphalism piece, right? Or even your your part about Jesus's death. Like all of those things are in scripture, and I don't think I'm not. And I don't think you are either. Trying to say that you know none of that's right and we've thrown it out the window, right? Like I do believe that people. Um, like I do believe that Jesus conquered death in a way that is very good for all of us. But I wonder if we've put all of the emphasis on that entirely. That's the only thing we know because we're so scared of death that we miss anything else scripture might say, or God might show us about death. Okay. So now you're going to ask me what it is, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, especially with your experience, what has God shown you about death? You know, I don't know if it says this anywhere in the Bible. I could probably find something that's at least related, but I don't know. But one of the things that I have changed my perspective a lot on is that in a lot of cases, with a lot of the people that I see, I think death can be a kind of healing, which seems so counterintuitive and uh, backwards, right? Because it's like, well, no, if they'd been healed, they wouldn't die. (laughs) And yet, a lot of times people with inoperable terminal un- conditions, they can't do anything else. Sometimes it's even hard to not have them be in pain despite many drugs to help with it. Yeah. You know, like I remember I had someone once who had, she had metastatic bone cancer. Cancer was everywhere. There wasn't much even you could do for that kind of pain. And you know, when she died, it it wasn't a bad thing. I mean, that was, that was not just release. I mean, she was no longer experiencing that constant agony anymore. I mean, tell me that that's not a kind of healing, you know, or there's any number of situations where people are in a really bad spot. And I don't mean it just as escapism, although I think that's part of it. Well, no, because escapism sounds like we're doing it on purpose. I just mean I think that death can very much be a kind of healing, perhaps because in a way it completes the life that we've been given like we've made death this thing to be avoided yet every one of us is going to die unless they're right about the rapture (laughs) um in which case i don't think that death has to be this thing that's uh well death can't be avoided however avoidant we are about it and so perhaps we have a wrong perspective in seeing it only as the the source of all fear and missing the fact that it's something that should happen. It's a natural part of life. And that, you know, in a way, like it really does, it really does bring a kind of, it it almost brings a kind of life in itself. Right. 
is sounds strange again, but especially if you believe in an afterlife um, of some kind. I don't know. Does that make any sense? I'm just, you yeah. know, we're we're kind of just talking this out as we go here. And the fact that we're having a hard time with it shows you that this is hard to talk about still. Yeah, we don't have a vocabulary really for it. What what constantly went through my mind as you were talking is Abraham and Isaac, because what what I've really been struggling with with that story right now is why were both of them kind of at peace in the story about it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do mean both like uh-huh. Isaac. Now I think that the story is what it is. Right. But the people are different. I'm sure Isaac was like, what the hell dad? <laughs> well, and afterwards, I don't think it's like, Oh God gave you a ram. Yeah. So now we're good. Peach keen, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and yet I think that that story, at least in the interpretations that I've read of that story focuses on, God or whatever's um, within us that God's activating to be okay with death in certain circumstances. And I think the Christian one would be like, to be okay is the best way I can say it. I don't think that captures it, but be okay with death when we're trusting in God as we die or as we face death. Does that make sense? I don't know. Be okay is probably not the best phrase, but. Well, we're, it's a work in progress, you know. But I, I thought I had when you're talking about Abraham and Isaac is that even though Isaac didn't die, I think you could make the argument that Abraham did put him to death, at least until the point where God intervened. I mean, yeah. the way the story is told, right, is the knife was raised and, and he was about to plunge it into him. Um, and I don't, th- I mean, it doesn't seem like Abraham knew uh that god was going to do what god did i mean he did tell isaac the lord will provide so maybe he wondered but just being willing to do that with the only son the son of the promise etc i think he did put him to death in a way and i wonder if that's like what you were saying about there's something about life in there Mm. that because abraham and isaac were doing that with god there's something life giving about that or full of life about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder too, just cause it's occurring to me, I'm not an old Testament scholar. Neither of us are. And yet I feel like the, the perspective on death in the old Testament is very different than the one in the new Testament. Yes. Right. I mean, not only is there no concept of heaven or hell other than, you know, the heavenly realms that God exists in, right? Yeah. It's more the, um, what's the Hebrew, Sheol, I think, right? The grave, this idea. Like, it's described as something that happens to everybody. It's not described as good. It's not really bad. It's not great. It just kind of is, you know? And it's not really, I don't think, I could be wrong. I, I don't remember getting a lot of things that say it's to be avoided as much if it's just what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I think there are Psalms where they talk about, I feel like I'm there, God deliver me kind of stuff. But I don't know. It's uh, It just seems like on the whole, it's, I don't know if matter of fact is the right way to put it, but just kind of accepted that we will all end in the grave at some point. Yeah. 
And I think that bumps up against our denial of it or our resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The image that's really helped me deal with death is kind of like a chapter in a book, as cliche as that is. Um, like, imagine being a character in a book. You don't know what's going to be in the next chapter. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of there doing doing the stuff that you do in that chapter, and then you don't even know that there is a next chapter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a character. And so you kind of live with that as a matter-of-fact reality. It's like, here, here's where I am. This is what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, what else can I do? I can't live for the future because I don't know what the future is. I can't live for the past because it's gone. I'm kind of living in this moment. And I wonder if there's some element that that image for me is kind of captured within the Old Testament way of thinking about death. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's going to happen. And what does that mean? I don't know. We'll have to wait until we get there to figure it out. But every book has a last chapter or an epilogue or an afterword or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, hmm. Unless it's unfinished, I suppose. Uh, looking at you, George R. R. Martin. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, and you've got the image of the Book of Life, right, in right. the New Testament and Revelation. And I wonder, because usually they think of that as like a, you know an accountant's book of making sure everybody is there. A so sin maybe, ledger. Yeah, maybe it's a a storybook of uh, how God's using eternal life, eternity. Mm-hmm to really make a story and he's checking where you are in it. I like the image of the book of life being the accounts and deeds of every person, you know, I mean, I'm not saying there's nothing else to it. I just, I like the idea of um, it not being a sin ledger as much as the story of every human um, that God has written in whatever way God does that. Right. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I like that. That's a different, I hadn't thought about it that way before, but I like that. I like that picture of it. I really think that I don't like the salvation history type of theology where, you know, everything is being done for essential purpose and all that kind of stuff. I think it's way too complicated. Life is for that to be a reality. But I do think that God is very much interested in our stories um, and how those stories come together by his work and what he does. And God is involved in our stories, even if it's not in the sense of like, God helps me find my keys when they're missing. I mean, maybe, (laughs) maybe God does, I don't know, but like, yeah, I'm with you in that the everything happens for a reason goes too far. I think Um, I, you know, uh, for various reasons, but um, there is a way that, I mean, God and God enters our story, right? You, like through Jesus, through the Holy spirit, um, like God is part of our story as well. Uh, so I think that's very much true, regardless of whether or not God pulls the strings for every possible possibility for every person. Yeah. And maybe there's something there about death too. Like not only what you were saying of, uh, 
well, what I turned into what you were saying of death and what happens being the next chapter of a book. Um, but maybe there's something about death as something else you said. It's just part of our story. It's just part of not only the reality we have, but since everyone's going to do it, uh, part of not only my story, but our shared story of what what it looks like for us to face death. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, just another thought occurred to me, too, is you remember how we were talking about <clears throat> maybe death in a way brings life. And that sounds kind of backwards. But I think about, you know, the how the deaths of certain people have created whole movements or um, countries or you know, philosophies or whatever it is, or how the death of a person in your family can change you significantly, you know, like you talked about with your grandmother. Um, mm -hmm. Like, it's just, it seems like, uh, and certainly Jesus's death changed, <laughs> gave us all life, right? Like, yeah. I wonder if that's the part we're missing, is that we think about death too narrowly because we tend to think of it mostly in terms of ourselves. Um, I'm not saying people, like I said, people think about their families and stuff. That's not what I mean. But I just mean, it seems like ultimately we focus death on ourselves because we're scared of it or whatever it might be. And we miss how uh, death, our death may, might bring life for someone or someone's else. I mean, there's plenty of metaphors you could use, right? You could talk about the, the uh, you know, how pumpkin rots so its seeds can get planted and grow more pumpkins mm -hmm. um, or, you know, what have you. And uh, I, I think about the, um, one of my favorite parts of passages in the Bible is in Ezekiel 37, which if you're Pentecostal, you just, you hear about that a lot, but that's where the dry, the Valley of the dry bones. Right. And oh. Ezekiel's surrounded by like bones everywhere. And then they start to rattle when the spirit shows up and, you know, brings them back to life and all of that. And yet like, like they had to die first, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I just, I wonder, like maybe part of the problem is we're applying it in some way. We all are selfish in our deaths, even if that doesn't mean we don't think about anyone else in, at all. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And what I was thinking as a, as an addition to that, not only does one's death or someone's death, bring life to you or your death brings life to somebody else. But I, I was talking with somebody, it was like one of those moments, this has to be the Holy spirit because I'm dealing with my own shit and there's no way I could come up with this. Right. Right. Um, someone was really dealing with the death of a loved one and I could see she was really broken up. It was, you know, one of those anniversaries that really um, hit them hard. And we were going through some Bible study. I don't know what it was, but it was so applicable. And as I was talking, I was saying, you know, what's what's beautiful about mourning? I, I asked that question, and we talked about it for a little bit. And I think what the Spirit was doing as we were talking about that is coming to an answer that was really helpful for that person. Uh, I don't think it's the only answer. But what's beautiful about mourning shows our capacity to love, and it shows the capacity of impact somebody has on us. Hmm. 
like my grandmother that I lost four years ago, five years ago. Oh, how old is my second? Yeah, five years ago. Uh, I'm still not really, I, I don't want to say over it because that's such a terrible way to think about it, but I still haven't really processed that and still haven't really come to terms with the fullness of that, of the grief and the the sadness and the sorrow that's there. And what a wonderful testament to my grandmother, mm-hmm. of who she is. And, you know, we spent out of all the time in her life, we barely spent any of our time with her. You know, you mm-hmm. take all the moments of her life and yet she made such an impact with those small moments that everyone in her family, especially me, still misses her and will miss her until um until until, again someday right and i I think there's something really beautiful about that and in death that can only happen with death you know uh, i talk about that but then i also can remember times where my grandmother annoyed the hell out of me (laughs) you know she was being too grandmothery or because of this that or the other Um, And if I was living with her all the time, I'd probably focus more on that because I'm a terrible human being like the rest of us. But with death, it makes me do something different with her. Hmm. Hmm. So do you think, we haven't really come to a theological conclusion with this stuff, but do you think there is room in our theological systems to incorporate some of these things we've been talking about? So like, do you think that, for example, either, well, we'll just ask you about yours. Do you think that there is a place in your group for people, would would people accept the idea of death as a kind of healing? That's a really good question. I'm thinking about it for mine, too. You know, I don't know. My mind initially went with, how could you make that a reality for people? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, you know, our tried and true ways of doing that. Well, well you Jesus know, died, you know. Yeah, exactly. He died <laughs> was health for us. Right. But that gets into the same problems that brought us to this question, right? Because. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't, right? Because isn't it like we were talking, I mean, yes, I don't disagree, but also could it be that like with e- which, whichever of the two systems that we brought up that you're talking about, it seems to me that the idea of death as bringing life or death bringing healing could be theologically linked to that um, that stuff we were taught. So like in your case, I mean, if Jesus died on the cross to save us from our sins is the central message, well, isn't taking our sins away something that brings life? Yeah. And or in, in the case of like what I learned about, you know, Jesus conquered death and resurrection and heaven and all, all of that is uh, possible through death, though, right? I mean, like, I wonder if we've like bifurcated these things in a way, and maybe that's a part of the problem. It's not that those that there's no truth to what we were taught, but maybe it's an incomplete picture. Or we, um, I'm trying to think of a good metaphor. Or like, it's kind of remember that game jenga you know we Uh took out too many of the blocks in between and it's still standing but it's 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 missing some important stuff yeah i wonder i don't know yeah so that's interesting asking the question uh, let me re-ask the question in the way that i just thought of it 
is it entirely helpful to frame the discussion around death and life as a binary? Hmm. Is it helpful to say life is bad or good and death is bad in all circumstances and always objectively whatever? Yeah, I mean, I do talk with people about death being a part of life, right? I mean, there is a difference between the two, yes, but they're not, they're also not different in a way. You'd have to add then, not only is death a part of life, but life is a part of death. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were talking about before with the death bringing life, right? Yeah. And I wonder, so let's drill just a little bit deeper. We're almost at time, but I'm going to use some of this just so you know, in, in my, <laughs> in my daily work here, I'm going to use some of this. I wonder what, what story or what concept maybe because concept safer for me, um, as a theologian, you but philosophers, what, yeah. <laughs> what, what helps us get there within scripture? What helps us get to that place where not only is there death and life, but there's life and death. And I, I got to tell you, where I'm hit with this the most right now is because I did do Leviticus. And briefly, Leviticus is, you know, very underestimated and underread book of the Bible because it's so boring and so weird and so it's horrible. Dense. It's dense, yeah. yeah. Um. But, you know, if you're preaching through the Bible like I am, you got to do a simplistic way with with meaning, with significant meaning. And so I took chapters 11 through 15, which is talking about uh, ritual purity and and cleanness and all that. And I, I stumbled upon a resource that talked about how a good handle for this is death, like so what makes one impure and unclean in Levitical law? Death. Because <laughs> what God is doing is if he's going to be living with his people, he wants to live, uh, he is life. And so he can't be around things that produce death or, um, as I said in the sermon, get death on you. So yeah. like touching dead bodies, doing impure things, and so on and so forth. And I think there's some limitations to that with an Old Testament reading, but it was really handy for a New Testament reading because what happens is, is like the, the problem with that from a New Testament reading is that binary, God is creating a binary. Um, so that's why I think there's limitations here, but go with me. He's creating this binary. He is life. He is living in a world of death. And you can't be around him when you have death. Otherwise, you fulfill that and you, you become dead like Aaron's brother hmm. or Aaron's sons. Right. So he's trying to maintain this life giving atmosphere amongst a group of people who break his covenant always. And so how does he do it? That's Leviticus. What he does in Jesus, however, is he breaks down that binary and he decides that he's going to get death on him instead of keeping death separate from him. And for me, like that's, as I'm thinking about this in our conversation, that seems to me like a really good way to handle the breaking down of that binary because Jesus 
not only enters into death, but now he has death on him all the time. So you cannot separate death and life from Jesus. They're both there. He is the Lord of life. He's also the one that entered death. He, well, he's preeminent even of the death of over death, right? In Colossians, yeah. like life and death. Yeah. So I think there's a really uh, fertile place there to discover what it looks like to be both living and dead in Christ. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I think it does. And, you know, the story that w- that kind of came up for me when you asked this, and I think is related, um, was Lazarus in the sense that um, Lazarus died, right? Jesus goes. And part of the thing I think we might miss is that, you know, the short verse, Jesus wept, right? Yeah. And it's like, we so sometimes miss the humanity showed there yeah. that it, not that Jesus doesn't show it anywhere else. But I think that to me, that's one of the clearest pictures of Jesus, the human, um, because he was like heartbroken because his friend died, you know? And yet Lazarus, Lazarus's death was an important part of establishing Jesus as, uh, as the Messiah. And I don't mean that's like God killed him for that or something. I just right. mean that it did bring um, life in a sense. And then Jesus shows up and Lazarus does come back to life, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and yet Lazarus then someday died again. Um, so I don't know. Does that make sense? Like, it feels like there's the same idea of like, there is a certain binary aspect to life and death in that there is a difference. But I don't think they're these like uh, diametrically opposed things in that they also, it's like, I don't know, can something be two parts of the same thing and also two parts? I don't know. Does that, does that work? Um, like, I can't think of a good metaphor for it, except maybe the, um, um, the, the yin yang, you know, like yeah. uh-huh. uh, the idea that, and I'm just talking about how it looks. I don't, not, not about its anything else. I mean, you've got the black and the white part that are in opposition, yet each part has black and white in it. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I wonder if, um, side note, some of my, my, if, if some of the people I knew heard me comparing Jesus to that, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but the, the wider point I'm trying to make though, is that I, I think they can be different without being opposites perhaps. Yeah. And you know what's just again a side note. What's hilarious is I did it in this big abstract way, and you just did it in this like really experiential, fantastic <laughs> way. I just uh, love. It. <laughs> well, we're a good team. Yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. becoming caricatures of ourselves. <laughs> well, we all do that. I mean, I think that's unavoidable. Uh, but no, I, it does make sense to me, and I think that's for me i think that's really fruitful in terms of a conversation of how can we maybe the problem that we've been dealing with in the church is the problem of all binaries that you always have to keep them separate and maybe the natural thing that's happening is when when somebody like me has death anxiety or somebody like you has this weird like problem that you've got to solve as a as a hospice chaplain maybe what's going on is those things resist the binaries and Mm. 
they're actually supposed to be together in some way. Um, and at the least conflict when, yeah, comes yeah. from us insisting on truncating them into separate things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, for me, the reason why I'm taking deep breaths is because that feels like a much better place than in the binary. It feels much better to try to figure out like there's that weird, not paradox, but that weird thing of Jesus is crying, even though he knows he's going to bring Lazarus right, back, to death, right. yeah. or back to life. Yeah. Um, and he's not doing it for theater like many people today do those kinds of things, right? He's doing it out of authenticity because he loves Lazarus. Right. Lazarus. Um, and I think to bring it further, he's doing it because he recognizes the the life-giving nature of death and the the fatality of life in the same same breath. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think maybe we've already said this, but I think what's running through my mind is not so much that what we were taught was necessarily wrong, but it just seems so incomplete. Yeah. And that I think it is important to remember the things about Jesus dying and that however that works, saving us from sins. We've talked about that before, but like there's something in there that we do need as part of this thought about death and, and the stuff I was taught and maybe you were too, but about, you know, eternal reward or Jesus conquer, like all of that's part of the part of the whole thing. But it's like, we've taken a, uh, it's like we've taken a soup with 11 ingredients and only talked about the potatoes. Yeah, yeah. it's just like, unless it's a potato soup, (laughs) you've missed some stuff there. (laughs) So I just I wonder if uh, maybe it's not so much that we need to totally change everything about what we've learned as look for ways to add back in some of the things that are missing. Because I think I think not that that not that what we're talking about would make it so that nobody was ever afraid of death at all or that you'd never have doubts or concerns because i don't i don't know that that's avoidable 100% or that it needs to be yeah it's probably not a healthy goal right but i do think it would make people a lot more equipped to deal with death when they have to i think it wouldn't take away grief it wouldn't take away sadness and it shouldn't right but i do think it would prevent or at least help mitigate some of the really tough situations that I've seen because people are in such denial about death. You know, it it would prevent the, like the one I had where they uh, could not accept death that their mom was dying. And so they wouldn't let her have strong enough pain medication for most of that time, you know, and I'm not even judging them for that as much as saying that, that was a product of not being able to deal with the death of a loved one, you know? Yeah. So I just, I think maybe if we start adding more ingredients back in, we might be better equipped to talk about this, to um, think about it and also to deal with it when we're like, when either we or people in our family or our friends or something like that dies. Yeah. You remember that. So <laughs> you remember that, I don't want to take away from that because it's so beautiful. But the thing that kept on running through my mind was, you know, at uh, Arrested Development when, um, what's her, Lindsay cooks ham water. Oh, as- ham water, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking about the yeah, whole time. It's like raw, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, we've made ham water when we think we're making gourmet ham soup about right. death and life. And- <laughs> uh-huh. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's a good way to to think about it in that sense. And maybe that's what we can do with this is try to find ways to, because I think that's also going to look different for some people, you know, like your story about death anxiety actually hasn't been one that I've experienced. I mean, right. I've experienced anxiety and I've worried about dying a time or two, but it's for me, it's been about different things. So I might need a different ingredient than you do. But yeah. we're all making the same thing to kill the cooking metaphor to death. <laughs> yeah, we're eating from the same pot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're making the same soup. <laughs> so what I've loved about this conversation and why it's been so exciting for me is, of course, we're talking about something that matters a great deal to me, especially with my story, but for all of us. and. I think what's been really helpful in this frontier for me is to realize that these kinds of conversations are what theology is. Mm. Uh, we, we, is that right? Are what yeah. theology is? I think so. Okay. We typically think that theology is learning a bunch of answers that then we apply to certain situations. And, you know, I experience this a lot as a pastor. People think that I have answers that I don't. <laughs> Yeah. You know, one of the most profound things that I say to people is, I don't know. But no, I don't know. Why are you asking out? me? <laughs> yeah. But this was actually an engagement in real theology of, hey, we notice that there's something going on here with death based off of my story. How do we do it? And we did it with yours, too. Yours was a bit more established uh, in literature because you've done that research and I have not. But we still did it there. That's what theology is, is discovering what God is saying to us, uh, of course, we're doing it in a verbal, like informal way, but what is God saying to us and how can we see what God is saying to us in light of a certain challenge, usually within our own system, okay. such as death? Well, and that I hope people hear from this too, that this kind of thing doesn't and shouldn't be the property of pastors and chaplains and theologians, right? Like I think all of us are theologians, even if you don't write any papers or even if you don't read many or any books, you know, it's not, I think we've just locked it up in its own spot that only the experts can do it. And it's just not true. And it's not healthy either. I mean, yeah. anybody can have this kind of discussion that we've had and it'll probably go in different directions. And that's good because <laughs> yeah. people are different and need different things. But I just hope it can encourage anyone who's listening that you don't have to talk about death, although you can if you want, but just whatever you talk about like that is you're doing theology and that's a good thing to do. It, it, it doesn't belong just in the church or just with your pastor or just with the Pope or whoever the hell it is. Sorry, I don't, that sounds disrespectful. I don't mean it that way. I just, you know, it's for everybody is what I'm trying to say. There aren't secret libraries that pastors have that we go to to <laughs> find only. the answer to everything. You know, that's not, I'd be not, there a lot if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess if if you didn't really get anything from the death conversation, hopefully you stuck through and here at the end you can say to yourself, okay, well, where is the spirit prodding me to reconsider or think through something theologically? And you don't have to have all the stuff that we do. You have probably more things in other areas than we do of mm -hmm. how you can handle this kind of question. Um, and part of that is really what the frontier is like is doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. 
I mean, I think we've all, Nate and I have, and I think from what I've heard, some of the, if not all of the people who listen to to this is that we've all been forced to live theology in a way that's different than we used to. Um, Whatever that theology or those theologies may be, we've been forced to do something different, not just to think something different. And that's kind of the frontier that we're on, I think. So I think that's probably a good place to leave it for today. Um, There's probably plenty more that could be said about death. I don't think Nate and I solved it in an hour. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If so, somebody transcribed this and we could make a fair amount of money, which would be nice, you know. Um, But TM, TM, TM. Yeah, exactly. Trademark it all. That's right. (laughs) But so I just, like I said, hope that it can be encouraging to everybody. And I'm glad that that we're able to do this kind of stuff together in whatever way that we can. And that also encourage you to seek out other people. You don't have to drag them to your part of the frontier necessarily, although maybe you do. I just mean that this doesn't have to be an alone thing. You know, I think in a lot of our stories, we've been so alone and hopefully this podcast can help with that part of you don't, you don't have to be, you're not. And, and it's going to work out even though it may be difficult along the way. So we'd love to hear from you about, uh, you can tell us about this episode or other episodes or something you'd like us to talk about or why we're the best in the universe. Um, And if you could rate us on your, whatever podcast app you use and give us a good rating, that'd be great. And uh, you can contact us at uh, frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, we'll love to hear from you. And, Yeah, I think that's a good place to stop. So it's going to be okay, and God will take care of us. 